0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundtalentMedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
0: Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the
1: vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music. going on guys this is doc Coyle. this is the x-man podcast thank you so much for tuning in i sit here in toronto ontario in canada and uh yeah just kind of kicking it out here i got some death wish coffee shout out to them hooking it up They, they make very very strong coffee and uh it's funny our our bus driver will be getting ready you know to drive and it'll be you know one in the morning. Midnight, two in the morning, and he'll be making the coffee. And you're thinking about going to sleep, then you smell this good coffee, and it, it, it kind of throws me off. So I was like, you know what? I need some of that coffee. So I got some so that I could be coherent for this little monologue here. Uh yeah, it's been another kind of gap between shows. Um I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about about that situation. You know, I've been on the road pretty much since April. I think with only two weeks off, and you know, I have to say, I've done pretty good <laughs> keeping the show regular. But um, I'll be honest, guys, it is getting tougher, and, and not just from a, a logistical standpoint. I think um, touring in general, uh, this consistently kind of tends to weigh on you and kind of wear on you, and makes it just a little, you know, a little bit difficult to to get that inspiration and, and kind of stuff to, to, to work on extracurricular activities. And I'm, I'm noticing myself, um, you know, just wanting to focus on playing, you know, um, you know, I really take that half hour or an hour uh, per day on, on stage really seriously because we have to. You know it's it's every day it's a a chance to kind of prove yourself and and give 100 percent and leave everything out there so i've been really focusing on that and like i said guys i'm just kind of tired you know um it's interesting but with that with that said you know uh there's a lot of fantastic things going on with the band uh we just got presented with a platinum plaque in camden new jersey for this for the zombie single and it already went platinum in canada and i think it's on its way to double platinum in canada and you know uh, some of this stuff. It's uh, it's crazy. It's 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 overwhelming. I, I don't, you know, I think it's. Uh, I don't know. It's. <laughs> I guess I'm. I guess I'm. I'm at, I'm at a loss for words, which isn't very good for someone uh, who who has a podcast. But in a lot of ways, it's been overwhelming because I think there's an expectation of of how you're supposed to feel or that, you know, like people will, I think there's this idea of you've made it. And, um, and I kind of want to dis- just dispel that for a minute, um, just primarily because the, the band is so new and the foundation is something we're still building. And when, you know, to me what made it means is essentially you've gotten to a point um, and it's reliable. And you can kind of, you, you know, you can go back to the well and it's something that you can hang your hat on. Um, but with this band, th- things have moved so quickly that there is the idea of easy come, easy go. Not that uh, all this has been easy, but it's been very fast. Um, <clears throat> and so I don't know. I think anything that can kind of go away like that is not something you necessarily want to. Hang your hat on the idea of I've made it, you know, because that that makes you relax, that makes you comfortable, um, and I certainly don't don't feel that that way. I feel like we're just getting started, and, and you know, the fact that we have a platinum single and that's it's the first rock song to go platinum in America this year—that's fucking crazy, all right. It's really crazy. Um, so it's to kind of be on the on on the inside and and get you know to see how people start treating you a little differently and I I've, I've talked about this a little bit before but that process is kind of never ending and you know I talk about it a little bit on the show with guests and and stuff but it's something that I never really really ever expected to kind of change like I never thought my level of notoriety would change <laughs> and and with that said change so so quickly and just just the way people kind of treat you and it's it's something that is, you know, I've mentioned this before about touring consistently kind of makes you go crazy. And not in 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 the way that, you know, you become kind of a a, a psycho. It's just that if your job, whatever your job was, you know, if you you were waiting tables, and then every time you waited a table really good, they like applauded and asked for your autograph and wanted pictures with you. And that happened every day. I think that would make you weird after a while. You're, it just, it's a weird occurrence to kind of be lauded constantly and told you're great because the problem is, is when you actually start to believe it, you know, I I am pretty great. And, 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 and to me, that's the difference between confidence, right? Understanding, Hey, you know what? I'm good at my job. I'm proud of myself. I think I, you know, you give me put in a situation, I can kill it, and this is what I do. But that, the validation side of of of, of the coin, um, when that's consistently there, it's it's dangerous because there's going to be a time when it's not going to be there, you know, and and I think I'm I'm grounded with that, but it makes but it, in a way, it makes me leery of that kind of attention or, or, um, you know, I I was actually just watching the Amy Winehouse documentary and I I watched it before, but I just rewatched with everyone. And the thing that to me, what really killed her in the end was fame is that she wanted to be a singer. She wanted to be a creator. She wanted to do this thing. But she really didn't like being famous and in the in the famous in in the way, especially with the, the British press, where they essentially become a leech. They, they, you know, you, you become this planet almost and everything orbits around it. Um, and that's what, just de- you know, kind of destroyed her. And I'm not on that level and I, I don't ever expect to be. But it kind of gives you this idea that, you know, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. And... Um, and I, and I don't do this stuff, uh, for fame or notoriety. I probably, I'd probably do it for respect. I would, I would like to be respected. I would like to be, have my work be respected and, and people say, Hey, you know, you, you know, I respect what you do. I think that's, that's valuable, but just being, Oh, that's a famous guy or that's this, I don't know. It's, 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 it's dangerous ground and you have to be leery of, of coveting that and needing that, um. So that's something I've been, I think, kind of struggling with, and also, and also balance. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the, at the beginning of the show about how tough it's been to, to, to do this. You know, um, you know, I kind of realized I need to really focus on music right now, and um, not that I, you know, not that I'm not going to do the show. I'm definitely going to, going to do the show. But it's like I've said this before. You got a life shows you the way, and I. A few years ago, I learned to stop fighting the tide, stop stop it from telling you what's what's going on, and don't force things, you know. And so that's the thing I'm I'm kind of trying to to focus on. But how it does relate to the show is it made me actually realize that I don't think the show is always going to be the X Men, and the reason why is that who you are and how you define yourself evolves through through time, and I, and I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what, I don't wanna be known as the person who used to do this. That my current state of being, my, my current construct is only relevant to what I was. And I don't think that's totally healthy thing, but it was, it was very valid when I started the show. So I think as that moniker, I think I'm going to have kind of a, a definitive point where it will no longer be that, and it works. If it works for now, but I think you know. And it was a great kind of hook, you know. Hopefully, for a lot of you guys to to hear these stories from ex-members of bands, or for me to kind of exercise my demons. But I think there is a logical end to that idea, and to kind of you know get it to a point where it's about what's going on now, and not necessarily rehashing stuff. So not to denigrate the the theme of the show. But anyway, just kind of wanted to, you know, give you guys some ideas of things that I've been thinking about, and um, and even though things are going great, you know that this this lifestyle, you know, does come with its um, sacrifices. So it's something I, I just I just think about. So you know, a lot of friends and family out there, you feel like, hey man, I don't hear from Doc as much anymore. I don't, you know, I I apologize, and I'm. You know i want to be more present and it's difficult that's it's the it's the toughest thing to be to be dealing with right right now um but with all that said things are going great so i want to <laughs> i want to kind of point, point that out there and, I'm, and i have so much gratitude um actually uh, one one thing to announce uh battle's just announced a european tour we'll be going to europe in october with three days grace uh uk germany some other places netherlands <laughs> uh check out at badwolvesnation.com for uh dates and also I actually wanted to shout out a few different companies that have uh been very very kind to me recently one is cult of individuality if you've seen some of the pants the jeans i've been wearing lately and uh i have a really cool hat from them and a, and a really cool jacket uh it's very comfortable. I mean, their, their pants, you know, if you're on stage, you're kind of doing your rock moves and allows you your your nether regions to stretch and have the pants not rip, which has happened to me a bunch of times. So definitely shout out to uh, Ron and Cult of Individuality. Check it out. Their stuff is fantastic. And I also have to shout out JBL and Becky over there who sent me a pair of 710 Everest Bluetooth headphones. And these things are badass. I am very happy to get into the 21st century and get on the the bluetooth train the uh the wireless revolution it is fantastic and definitely check their stuff out. Um what else? What who else has been really really nice to me? Um I bought this case from Enki, which is uh it's E N K I and they make two guitar cases. It holds two guitars and uh, it's for for flights and stuff and it's uh pretty badass. Got to shout them out. Um I think that's pretty much it, it for now but you know people have been really really cool to me lately and uh you know this is one of the fringe benefits guys of uh having things work out so i also want to shout out esp because they tony over there threw me on the main splash page on esp so i feel really really cool about that so feeling cool guys you know getting get, get some love definitely enjoying that and um what else yeah there's no sponsor on this week's show But um, hit me up if you'd like to sponsor the show, drop me a direct message, or you can send an email to thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest, uh, Mr. Johnny Hawkins from Nothing More. It's the first interview I've done since I've been on this this tour because we've been so damn busy. But Johnny is the coolest guy. He's so um, introspective and... Uh, kind and you know just a real you know art artistic person just you can tell just someone who who really um doesn't allow all this bullshit that i, I mentioned earlier to kind of get to him and has found a way to to do this in a, in a in a really genuine way and i just respect what i know i was a fan of this band and i mentioned on, um during our conversation but i've been a fan of this band for for years and seeing them live and seeing how they work and how they approach their 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 day-to-day uh, profession has been really inspiring so really glad i could get him on the show because like again is one of those guys that we would just be talking on tour and and i was like well we could probably record this so please enjoy my conversation with the incredible johnny hawkins you saying oh man i just got a funny text (laughs) funny like hilarious or funny like some weird crazy shit
2: uh hilarious like kid saying kids say the darndest things kind of funny Oh, okay okay so it's entertaining it's amusing okay it's my girlfriend's daughter how old is she she's uh eight (laughs) that's a good
1: age yeah for entertainment
2: yeah did she so they went uh i don't know if i should i save it for the podcast or go up, go I t- listen we're, i didn't tell you we're already recording all right? we're already recording we're already, oh we're my in god it. that's what
1: we do we ease you in this is like this is
2: like anal sex we'll just wow. shove it in you just like it's, lubed up this interview i didn't even right. know what was happening well well first of all we'll do interviews here man we just we're just oh, talking baby you're right
1: you're right that's not just, the right word we're just talking you know i'm not like <laughs> so um Lyrics on the last album, man. Uh, <laughs> what does this song mean exactly? Can
2: you tell me? So, so check this out. What I are ju- your influences? I just <laughs> so I just got off stage. My girlfriend sent me a text. She's in a, having a little mommy daughter date. Okay, and uh, Skylar's eight years old. They went to see like a PG thirteen movie. Uh we all watch horror movies together. That's probably weird. Even to some the, people Okay, I used, to she watch a loves lot. Them.
1: I used to watch a lot of crazy movies when I was younger, but yeah. my, my grandparents didn't care.
2: Yeah, she she loves them. She's pretty uh she's kind of been raised on them, so it's just kind of normal to her. But the first scene of the movie, you know, some dialogue occurred and then they go to like a super quiet part where like you can hear a pin drop because something's probably gonna pop out. And in that quiet part, she turns. To Kristen and she goes mom what's a circle jerk <laughs> everyone in the theater could hear it and all started laughing but where did the circle jerk come from and there's something in the dialogue in the first scene evidently and she said the lady next to her spit out her drink on the guy in front of her <laughs> and the guy was like I can't even be mad it is a punk band right Named <laughs> the circle jerks I don't know I've heard that name that is but I, don't, I,
1: I believe that is a band. yeah that's
2: right I'm not up on my punk uh listen you all right Games, well you know I'm what sorry
1: you, know, you just lost all your street cred so let you know that i don't um, have any street cred, unfortunately. you have no street cred none to lose that's all right you know <laughs> how's it about
2: street cred overrated <laughs> <laughs> so what does it get you does I it can't pay can my you bills. Buy something
0: with street cred? Uh, no no you should get a
2: favor you could trade let's get some uh res- respect i don't know yeah
1: respect a little head nod like a little just like bro nod <laughs> in, the, in 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 the streets will's, that's what it's worth wills to in the streets. You might get a whilst, little respect that's right whilst in the streets that's right so you know because you got to be in the streets <sighs> to cash the, the street cred car, credit card the street credit card
2: right you know it's very invisible them, but it's a thing it's a anyway thing.
1: anyway w- welcome to the x-man podcast uh it's good to be here so i i have this show and this is the first interview i've done on this tour we've been on this tour for what like six weeks already or some shit. i don't know it's like a time warp it's, i have it, no idea where we
2: are <laughs> what or what Dated, it is. What
1: town it is. Um, yeah, like I've been in this. I think, like, when the band first started touring, I was like, I was pretty on top of it. Just like, all right, working on this, working on this. And now I'm just kind of, like you said, almost my brain is a little melted. Yeah. Sometimes I get done with the show. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to, you know. I stare a
2: lot after the shows. Stare? Just stare. Have Where? a good, a solid stare for like 15 minutes. What do you find like a meadow or like a lake? Like, the other <laughs> night, there was, a, there was a lake with a. Oh, I didn't know there was a lake. There was I a mi- lake. I yeah, missed a the lake.
1: These, well, no, where they were playing golf.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I di- I did see the lake. Did you stare at the lake? Uh, I did for a little while. Yeah, it was a beautiful uh, dusk, actually. Ah, uh, I missed the dusk, but uh, yeah. Tonight, I just sat in a chair and stared for like fifteen minutes and it felt great.
1: Yeah, this is after the show.
2: After the show, yeah.
1: So you you give a lot to the show.
2: Like, yeah, like I- is
1: it is <laughs> it a, is like because the physical toll is pretty pretty obvious? Like you. You go for it. Um, you lay it all out there. Um, but is it like an emotional thing? With the, is that the stare? Like I need to kind of <laughs> come back off of the the
2: trip I just went on. <laughs> kinda. Yeah. It's it's. I think it's more um, my brain recovering all the cells that were just destroyed, and uh, it's it's going through <laughs> an intense form of mitosis or whatever the separation process is to create new cells. Because I really like. Uh, I try to leave every show huffing and puffing and feeling like I'm going to die. Then I feel like, okay, I left it all out there. I did my job. And I've always been, you know, I've always been a big fan of when I see bands just kind of bleed on the stage, you know, Um, I think it's like another layer to the show. You know, every band has their, their own approach, their own edge, their own tricks for me i've just always uh i've always enjoyed seeing that but i've also enjoyed like you know knowing that uh god just physically like it kind of keeps me on my game like mm. setting my own bar and trying to compete with myself if you will yeah the, the funny
1: thing is so we did two shows without you guys at the beginning of this tour and oh, that's right and yeah. the first show that you guys did it was like we need to step our game. Up. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> we thought like, the same thing with you guys. Actually, yeah. like we were like all the guys in my <laughs> band were like, "They're like, hey, Johnny, <laughs> Tommy, did you see what they were doing to the crowd there? And you see what Tommy did, you know, as a singer?" And I was like, oh, "Man, here we go." But no, it's a good feeling though. Actually, I, it, there's nothing worse than being on a very uninspiring tour, and then you're just you know competing with yourself. But it's nice to have that little friendly competition, you know, that little. Kick in the ass Well I, I feel
1: In in many ways You know just And I think it's actually Kind of the great thing That we're actually having This talk now As opposed to a few weeks ago Is we know each other better We've hung out Yeah we kind of You know we've, we've gotten to Really learn more about each other And just sitting around Like listening to music Like we all seem to have Similar tastes Some similar backgrounds You know we vibe Kind of on, on, on the same things And I think yeah. Even though our bands Sound nothing alike We definitely come From that element of every day out here we have to like we have something to prove we have we we're that underdog spirit of all right we gotta yeah when you know and that's i think that that's something a little different and this is you know no disrespect or any uh discredit to the 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 headlining bands but they're probably a lot more comfortable in their skin you know in terms of they know like listen, I don't have to do a backflip. They're probably, <laughs> we're, probably, we're yeah. still probably going to do all
2: right. You know, yeah. it's, a diff-
1: it, it's a different sense of things.
2: I think. Totally. And, and it's a different um, mindset going in when you know thousands of people are going to sing every word. And most of the songs you're playing that night were hits or yeah. radio, notoriously on radio for years and years. So you can lean on the audience a little bit more. Whereas with us, we can't lean as much. You know, we just got to like, Blow their mind and kick them in the face, you know. Well, it definitely is. I
1: don't think I'd ever seen you guys before this tour. Just I've just watched um YouTube footage and stuff yeah, because I, I got hate that. Well, I, I <laughs> no, because I got into the band when uh This Is the, the Time came out, yeah. And it was on okay, so, yeah. there was an article on metal metal yes. Dot net, and they actually shit on you guys, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was it was amazing and i was like why are they shitting up this
2: is really fucking good um uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you were one of the uh one of the ones who had our back or at least thought you know thought differently but we thought it was funny it was like kind of one of those uh any press is good press at that time um but yeah they were they were uh they were hating on us something something strong they probably don't it's hate it's hate on funny. you guys now it's fu- it's actually very interesting
1: to me because you guys i i I said, "This is why I described you guys." I said, "And because I went and I like took the song and I put it on this. Um, I do these mix CDs for this bar you work at, Duff's, and yeah. so I put it on there. Mix CDs, man. I haven't even had have a yeah, mix CD they, they, in so, so long. If you, so if you go to Duff's, uh, Duff's bar in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, there's the Doc's Duff's mix. I think we're up to number eleven now. And this, so I'll do like 15, 16 songs, and it, and it's like a little old, a little new, trying to get a you know, multitude of the." the heavy metal yeah. and hard rock universe on yeah. there. So I put it on that and it's like, you were one of those bands and people were like, oh, what are you listening to? I'm like, I'm listening to this band. This is- China. Nice. And, but I just That's I would cool. describe you guys as Seven Dust meets Mars Volta. Huh.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can, especially with that, that song record. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, song, that song in particular. A lot more uh, those kick drum patterns that line up with Me- the- Meaty, meaty riffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's still uh, a little bit of that progressive yeah. side maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. And it was at the bar you went to the other night we yes, were hanging out. Yes. Okay. Yes. Till three in the morning, okay. went over there, made an
1: appearance, but nice. I did, I did the cold call. I just went in, didn't tell anybody you know went in and out like Batman you know and then of course I posted something hey man you were in town because if I would have posted yeah and I feel bad to all my friends I didn't see but I just didn't want to
2: first of all if I don't want to be hitting people up at midnight hey you want to meet me at the bar and they have work in the morning some sometimes you got to go incognito or just you know yeah sometimes you just want to enjoy yourself and not and or you don't have that much energy to like catch up with 50 people or hundred people. Or I would have been half happy to catch up with people. I just didn't. Right. It's
1: yeah. too much. Either you got to call everyone or you call no one.
2: Yeah, it's like who am I not going to call? Yeah, I totally understand that it feeling. Was, when I get back in town, and I hate that when we're on the road and then we're home for just a week or a few days, and I'm like, oh, God, everybody wants to hang out, and it's a, it's a good thing, but I just don't know where to draw the line sometimes, yeah. you know. Well, it's that or the opposite. Because I remember
1: touring back in the day with my old band, and. I would be gone for so long you would just stop getting phone calls like people just started playing they're like well he ain't around no more so we're just yeah he he's you, gone you, you he gone yeah you have to come back like hey hey guys i'm i'm, I'm back and they're like that's cool we're, we've moved on
2: yeah yeah <laughs> we got our own thing going now <laughs> guys did you I, I remember that one one time I, I felt that way where we had done a few world tours on on the self-title record and we're just gone so much and i came back and i just felt like just all these things are going on without me. And like you said, they just kind of were in motion. And I like, kind of had a moment. I was like, man, I'm sad.
0: <laughs>
1: it's it different, it's different. Well, people people don't realize the, the sacrifice. I, I kind of tell people now, cause we've been out since April with, I think with two weeks off. And then we have three more weeks on this, have a few weeks off and then two 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 and a half months straight. And people are like, man, that's great. I'm like, well, it's great for the career, but it, there's a sacrifice to your relationships to your sanity to a certain degree oh yeah do you do you find do you find this because me i i feel that i become certain aspects of my intellect and kind of day-to-day functioning uh become atrophied from touring Mm -hmm. i find so and and this is it's probably more reflective of my lack of ability to figure out the regiment or figure out because i i overheard uh when you guys were doing your q a with your with your fans you were talking about that how you have like a routine and that kind of centers you
2: yeah yeah i've um had to adopt like a lot of methods and techniques to cope with feelings of insanity based on imbalance you know it's like when when we first toured we just said yes to everything whether it was press acoustic Would performances you have to? yeah meet and greets selling merch shaking hands playing every show but then i drove myself into a gr- into the ground went through a divorce had um god just like in the midst of that process so many other things in my life changing in the course of like 2 years my life went through like a hurricane you know and i was just like i just felt that sense of like wow, yeah, we're making progress and we're doing what we always wanted to, but at the same time, I'm like losing myself in it. I'm just like, I'm just spread too thin in too many places. So the last, uh, this last record, um, even during the process of making it, I started kind of turned a new leaf and I started going to a counselor, which has really helped me kind mm-hmm. of stay centered. Cause it's like a, it's like an objective mirror, a mirror with as, as little warps as you can get because they see so many people with similar patterns that they can identify patterns in yourself and and reflect back to you things that maybe need to be checked in on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in doing that and going to see this counselor, um, I started realizing that I needed to take all aspects of my life as seriously as I Take the band, like mm-hmm. the band. I plan out things. I'm strategic. I do all that. But then the rest of my life, I kind of just let it happen. And then I realized, oh wait, why? Why? Why don't I just strategically, uh, pragmatically, and realistically um, deal with the rest of my life the same way? So what I did was every day that we were in the studio at five or six o'clock, I made a deal. I was like, I shut the computer. I leave the room, I close the door, and I'm going to the gym, or I'm doing something physical to get me out of my head and into the physical world. Uh, not only to get the the right chemicals flowing in my body and stay healthy, but also it was like a sanity thing because on the record before that, I had the studio in my room, and my bed was right next to the Yo, desk. I know that. And I have that feeling. I went work never ended. I never closed the door and stopped, so my my gears didn't stop, and I burned myself out. And so I carried carried that little uh, lesson into these tours. So when I go into a tour, I the first thing I do that first week is I keep reworking a draft of my schedule each day, mm-hmm. and it just keeps some level. How 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 rigid are, are we talking? Now, okay. So I heard, um, it's it's a structure that I try to follow, but I move around it and and. I just use it as a guideline. What's question?
1: Did did you come up with the schedule or did you like maybe read some books or kind of follow some other people that described certain ways of efficiency or Yeah, I think
2: I, I think a mixture. You know, I listen to a lot of people like Joe Rogan who's, you know, a real popular podcaster obviously. Never heard of him. Never, never heard, heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've always been into like, you know, self-improvement minded mm-hmm. people and, and books. And so I'm always trying to pick up little tips and tricks to apply to my own process. So there's some of that, but a lot of it's just, uh, I heard this guy, Jordan Peterson, yep. real popular online. Um, he said, a schedule shouldn't be something that you feel caged by or, or trapped by. It should be something, it should be the day you want to have. And Aspirational. Right, right. So instead of looking, I always hated a schedule because I always felt like trapped by it. I always felt like I couldn't be creative during the day because I was stuck to the clock. And you know, when you're in that mode, the creative part of your brain shuts down because you're in that more linear accomplishing tasks, tasks, left brain thinking. But um, when I started looking at a schedule more as like a goal guideline, like you say, aspiration, inspirational kind of thing, Then it was like, okay, this is the day I want to have, ideally, now it's not gonna happen like that every day, but at least I have some kind of structure to start building my day around. And then, um, I mean, there's there's no um, coincidence that in psych wards and places with high mental health issues that they are very schedule oriented and they go to bed at the same time every night and they wake up at the same time every day because they know that those circadian rhythms influence your mental health probably more than anything else in life and yeah. i think a lot of people forget that that causes uh imbalance you know with mental stuff yeah it's probably one of my biggest detriments is
1: is inability you know staying up too late um being it's something that i think i'm i'm dealing with right now i'm like damn i'm kind of off off my game a little bit and then it's like okay i'm feeling this way i'm feeling this all right i need to kind of check myself and you know, it's so I look at people like the you, and I'm like, oh, okay. I wanna, you know, I'm taking notes right now mentally. Because <laughs> all right, so we we got it. So since yeah. we're talking about the, these kind of dis- discipline-oriented uh, tasks, we got to talk about the physique. All right, Johnny Hawkins' oh, physique. God. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. You, now you you like shredded wheat? All right, over here, Bruce Bruce Lee. Shredded. You know what I'm saying? I haven't <laughs> heard that one before. He's shredded all wheat right. over here. Now. Now, I'm sure if people are listening to this, they know who you are. And they know, you know, this man is in shape. He's in good shape. Now, is the physique... (laughs) Hashtag the physique. (laughs) Is this a result of good genetics? Or is it this discipline... In, in, in this thing, is this is is it is it something that you think about, like as far as your persona, or your identity, or you know? Because yeah. that you go out there with no shirt on, and you and it's it's striking. Look, you know what I'm saying? That's part, especially being the singer, you know, it's like Tommy, like he's jacked, and he's that. Right. It's like part of his performance, in right? A way, you right, know?
2: right. Yeah, it's part of your costume in a sense, um, yeah. or your your uh, maybe costume is not the right word because that seems a little more like putting on a mask almost like the character you're playing right as as the to me it's almost a the a reverse costume you know it's like um i like let me say this when i was seven uh that i don't know why i'm picking that age but that's when i went to my first rock show right but around that time i was always running around no shirt no shoes so that's like that's just been like something i always liked um and then uh when i got older and started playing shows i was the drummer for years i before so i said, played with no shirt so i always play with no shirt so that was always just the most comfortable like form of me if i was at home and you came over probably didn't have my shirt on that just was comfortable right you it. but uh yeah so i wasn't like always like into fitness and things like that but um in high school i got into wrestling and things that led me more into the fitness world because mm-hmm. i just had to for the sport and then uh um, now, yeah, I guess it's kind of that, like, when we were going through the process of finding out who we are as a band, as you can probably relate to this. There's so many people pushing you and pulling you in different directions, saying you should do this, you should do that, you should look like this, you should mm-hmm. sound like this. And I found that, like, we, we we kept our minds open because we've never been, like, a fashion band. Like, you know, some bands just come out and they're just striking strikingly visual as far as their clothing and their haircuts and the this and that we were always the band that was overlooked because we just didn't, didn't have look that, that cool yeah. to be honest you know if somebody came and saw us live it was a different thing they, they could go oh whoa but if they saw us in a press article or a photo they just look over us you know so then we, you, you did pop that shirt off and everything changed <laughs> no, <laughs> no but for, for me i was i literally like this was part of the Uh, calculus in my head going into this was like, at some point I was like, you know what? I don't, every shirt and style of this and that that I wear, of course, now I have, I have more, I'm more tuned into the things that I like and don't like at this age. But for years, like I just didn't really know what my style was. Mm -hmm. I was born in Texas. You know, we weren't like born in LA or like some fashion or, you know, cutting edge area. Uh, with culture, so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna like, if I don't have a shirt and I just have jeans, like, I don't fit into the metal group. I don't fit into the punk group. I don't fit into. the... Now the more I worked out, I like. But uh, what it reminds me of is like Iggy Pop. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's that's and and
1: you know whatever he stands for, whether it's dirty rock and roll or rebelliousness or kind of right. proto-punk mentality or or, or right. whatever. But but it is. Like him, it's part of when you think of Iggy Pop, you think of this angular body right. and this, you know, how it's part of this physicality, the way he performs and all right. that.
2: Right. Yeah. So I started thinking like, I just, I didn't want to get put into a category as much. And I felt like, even though not having a shirt will, can put you in a category as well, for sure. I mean, there's a, I'm very aware of the, the, a lot of times, you know, horrible mis- misperceptions that I'm, uh, susceptible to the magic job guy or the, yeah. Oh, he's looking for attention or, you know, trying to get girl attention or this and that. Right. But, um, honestly, when I, I remember looking at pictures of like, even just playing drums and when I would, uh, see, especially when I went to like a sweaty rock show and you just saw that tiny 150 cap room where everybody's just screaming their heart out, like a hardcore show. And, the singer or the drummer or whatever have their shirt off and you could just see the veins popping out in a picture or in a video. Like I always felt like the body like had this other element of communication. Like when I get into it, I feel like you can see it more mm-hmm. than when I have clothing covering up like it's my more my veins or my, like, you can see like a tense body or a relaxed body. Like there is, it's more emotive. You're right. It's mm-hmm. more raw. It's more animalistic. And I've, I've always been drawn to that that primal feeling. That's mm-hmm. why I started on drums because I like that just that animal nature, that like warrior feeling, whatever. So yeah, it's
1: it's um, simplicity. It's stripped down. It's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of there's there's no there's nothing in between yourself physically and what is going on uh, performatively. Yeah you, know, yeah, you know, it's it's minimalistic. I guess is what I'm. Yeah, totally. I'm, um, I'm, when I'm, when I'm but to say. you know,
2: so in it, it in certain lights, it doesn't always work great. You know, it 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 comes across maybe funny, and then in certain lights, it feels great. Like like I said, like we're on a sweaty rock show, especially in an indoor club, it feels like you're in my home now. Like you know, they don't the the there's not as much judgment because they get to they're actually brought into our world. Yeah. versus um you know, being in the daylight and playing a softer song, it it sometimes comes across, across differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was thinking
1: about, or or I have thought about, you know, your guys' story in that when I uh, came into knowing about the band, I think it was around 2011, 2012, uh, and that was the self-titled record, the the record. So that,
2: 2012 would have been right before, Wait. I have that timeline right? Well, I don't know, cause okay, so twenty fourteen I think is when we officially released that record or maybe it was 20, on the
1: label. Maybe it was twenty fourteen. Maybe I'm getting my 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 years yeah, mixed up. Anyway. Something know. something around that. But yeah, but, 20, but but yeah. that record, the the yeah. the eleven seven record. Yeah. And then and then people were like, Well, oh this band's been around for years. They have five records out. And I was trying <laughs> to imagine <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's true so yeah, with you in the band how many records before
2: the self Um, so I've been in the band since day one I started the band with a guy named Josh who's still one of my best friends he was the original guitar player and I met Mark that same year mm-hmm. but Mark and I started jamming separately and then we kind of fused it into one thing and then uh, that's been since I was 14 years old holy crap so that was like in what is that so it was like right around 2002 or something like that. And, uh, or 2001. And so a lot of those records, uh, like four of them, three or four of them, I was on drums. Yeah. And Did
1: I, the band have a similar sound? And is that stuff out there? Like if people wanted to go down the rabbit hole, is it uh,
2: anything? Yeah. You can, it's kind of funny. Cause, Cause we, it wasn't on Spotify. I just saw yeah, the, the no. last three. We've, we took it off. As soon as we got signed, we took everything off the uh, shelves in the mark marketplace because we wanted to kind of keep them like Easter eggs yeah. so it was actually funny somebody sent me an Amazon or an eBay uh, auction for one of the original old albums and that's exactly what we wanted we're, then we're like years down the road people are going to only a handful of people are going to have these records and uh, but they don't sound like maybe there's certain things that you could listen to and go okay well I could see where if, 15 year old Johnny or 15 year old Mark was like thinking, but it's, you know, it's, we were kids, so it doesn't nearly sound like the adult version of what we've put out there. Was, uh, I, well, just, it just, in
1: my mind, I was thinking about some band just grinding it out for years. And then (laughs) all this, and then it's like that, that cliche, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and i think about texas right and because and i and i, and I imagine what it, what it must be like to start a band there because from a tactile st- standpoint if you think about before the internet was the biggest thing in the world where it was all about hey we need to go over to this place to play we need to go over to this place yeah. it, mu- it must be like its own island or its own country yeah or you know or, or, or something and I, and I and i think about <laughs> that and it makes me wonder what were those years up? Like when was, was that the break, the eleven seven thing? Or was, were things happening? Was it like a steady climb into uh, what success kind of came later? Yeah.
2: um, Honestly, it was like, uh, I I always think of the old video footage of when they tried to get uh, the first plane to fly you know was it the Wright brothers yeah or whatever? Like
1: all the with it crashing and falling right, apart but some
2: of them were like flew momentarily yeah you know what I mean they were in the air but then they just crash um, that's what it felt like where we had like this one version of the band we made a record we spent a year or two making the record rehearsing going out and booking shows building a small following in local areas and then building that up selling a few hundred albums and then crashing it now we have a new singer, well, there's a different bass player now, same process the next two years, right? And then maybe we have, we just a little bit more popular on a regional level. And then we did that all the way until when I started singing and it was just Dan and Mark and I, we down to just the three of us. Which record was that? That was the few not fleeting. So that was the, uh, it's the blue record. It's the first one I started singing on and it's the one right before the self-titled. Okay. So yeah. the self-titled, And you still
1: play the songs off.
2: That, that uh, yeah, so, yeah, some of them, yeah. Um, but that 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 was kind of the turning point in which we really started building a a regional following that was legitimate to where promoters were going, okay, they're selling real tickets. They're selling, yeah. you know, so they started putting us on bigger, you know, opportunities and stuff. So that's really when it started growing. But then, you know, soon after we did the self-titled, which I will say this though, right before the self-titled, um, we went to New York and LA maybe like three or four times and basically got passed on by every label. Like, yeah. I heard,
1: uh, this might be a, a, a boost to your ego, um, Ash <laughs> Avildsen, who runs Sumerian records mentioned yeah. that he passed on you guys and it's like something he like regrets t- to this day. <laughs> he, he mentioned that on, a, on, on, on another show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that it's very difficult to me to me to picture this band without you not singing. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's very it's so different. Yeah. I mean Well, but your voice, I yeah. mean, cuz the, the I think the most d- definitive thing about your voice is, is the the range and the register, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you're kind of like I said I mentioned Mars Volta, but I think about bands like Circus Survive or uh, Coheed and Cambria like more in that kind of higher higher right. register. That's such a distinct thing. You know, um did you know you could do, were you already like singing background vocals and, and doing things like that beforehand? Or is it something you did? How did you discover that, hey, this guy is good enough that maybe he should be the singer? Um,
2: hon- Honestly, it was not, uh, it was in like little little baby steps where I was kind of like by myself, kind of dipping my toes in the water, going, oh, I'm gonna try singing something in the shower. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or then I was like, uh, in the car by myself and i'd just get really into a song and i'd start belting out something and most of it sounded horrible because i didn't know how to sing and then every once in a while something would just come out and i was like i think that sounded good but i don't know because it's it's weird hearing your own voice for the first time you know like the first time you leave a voicemail or your voice you know your answer machine whatever yeah, you call it it's very self-conscious about yeah it. very self-conscious um and so i started just toying with it like by saying hey maybe i could do this one background vocal thing so i moved a mic back to the drums and was very timid and just kind of touched on a few little background vocals you could probably never hear me live anyway but uh that started the process and then it wasn't until uh it kind of just came down to necessity and it was kind of a a leap of faith if you want to call it that where it was like it doesn't sound good, but there's these moments where I feel like I do, which lead me to believe maybe I could develop on those.
1: You know what I mean? Now, this is when you didn't
2: have a singer and you were just like riffing on stuff, no. or, or this was just jamming. We actually had a singer, and that's when I started experimenting with the background vocals and got a little more, um, you know, confident in just doing some things. But then we, so we won the, ba- the Battle of the Bands on Warp Tour. This is like in 2007 maybe Mm -hmm. 2006 and we had just fired our singer it was actually a night I had um, uh, and he's still he's a good friend of ours now but we had we had some disagreement just kind of on a different page musically but as a person great dude good friends but at the time I had a lot of tequila in Mexico one night and it gave me that like liquid courage where Mm -hmm. I was like I just could see everything in that moment that clairvoyant drunken moment and I told Mark I was like dude I think I should sing. I was like, you just, we're just not on the same page with you know our old singer, and, and he goes, I know. I think he just knew that I was just timid and afraid to do it, but deep down, I was like, I really wanted to. And then we parted ways with him, and then we got a phone call saying we won the Battle of the Bands, which meant $10,000 in various musical gear, and they were gonna fly us out to LA to play the Key Club, which, funny enough, I was telling this story to Tommy, and he's like, dude, I think I was working that night at the <laughs> Key Club. And because we was said, there like other. MXPX local- was headlining. Oh, wow. And he's like, I remember that night. So it's real fucking small world, right? And uh, basically, they said, we'll find another band because I told them we fired our singer. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. So we played one show at a local dive bar just as a test. And I sang from behind the drums the whole set. Wow. It was horrible but we wanted those prizes. <laughs> so we flew out, we did the show. It was my first like real show was at the Key Club. Behind you sang, the You sang and played yeah, drums. Yeah, it was awful, dude. It was so like disheartening <laughs> hey, and like embarrassing.
1: Before everyone had good cameras on their cell phones. So the the the, True. the, the, the proof might be lost to history. I, I
2: hope so. Bury that <laughs> shit, bury it deep. Um, And then from there it was like, a our other guitar player basically quit cuz mm-hmm. he was like I don't see this going anywhere like Johnny's not a great singer dude I had how old, had how old other you around, singers. around this time so i was about 20 21 okay so you guys were so you started so young that a lot of the
1: older stuff was almost pre like you it was probably right. you, were you were in, in the career mode
2: yet? yeah or, yeah no no so we guys, were kids just trying yeah. to get gigs and you know but Dude, even my own parents at the time, uh, they, they supported me and everything. Very supportive parents, thankfully. But even in this, they were like, this is the one thing they're like, are you sure you want to sing? We're not so <laughs> sure this is a good idea. And I just remember that moment. I was like, oh boy, here's, here's where the truth really. I either have to stick to my guns, cause all these other singers too in bands that we toured with that we're good friends with, they were all just like, you know, you hear what people say behind, you know, not not behind your back, like maliciously, but word gets around, you know? And I was just hearing all these things where they're like, they're all just like, man, I just don't think it's a good idea for y'all to have Johnny sing. Like nobody believed in it. But so Dan, the, I don't I'm this is
1: blowing my mind right now. <laughs> because I'm gonna be honest, you're a great singer. You're not a good singer. I think you're a great singer. Uh <laughs> well, wasn't Was no, no, but, but I'm saying but but and and this is I get really pissed off when people talk about singers that they like someone will be like M Shadows sucks, right? And I'm like he doesn't suck. You just don't like his voice, right? Right, right. right? right. Like me and I think voices are <laughs> like that. They're subjective, right? Yeah. Say so they some people just like Geddy Lee's voice just burns into someone's eyeball and or, or yeah. dave mustaine they're like please shut that off it's yeah, yeah. right that's the way voices are mm-hmm. but what i what I think of as a good singer there's only a few elements it's can you sing in key <laughs> what's your vocal timbre sound like like what do you what's the actual sound of right. your actual voice Um, uh, and then versatility like how how many what's your range how many different voices can you do you know right so being a quote unquote good 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 singer as long as you check those off. Even if I don't like the timbre of your voice, right? If right. you if you're in key and you have you know you know technically kind of I can add vibrato to this or I can kind of reach this note and right. then <laughs> do certain things. Even if I don't like the sound of your voice, doesn't make you a bad singer. So that's the right. And I agree. I agree. And by virtue of that, me mm-hmm. looking at that, I think you're I think you're a personally a great singer. So how did you oh, go from nice. being someone who People didn't think could sing at all to this. It was it training. Was it? Did you, I saw you guys doing the Melissa
2: Cross yeah. warm up? What? It's funny, man, because looking back, it just it it it's a lesson that stands out in my in my entire life that I'll take with me into other parts of my life because it was really just a feeling like the evidence was yeah. not there and that's why i call it that leap of faith because or that, that gut. intuition that gut feeling it, yeah. where you like deep down there's you just have a feeling have and you always been I, confident I, about things like that
1: like just like i'm i believe i can do this
2: um that's the thing is like there were very strong uh formative moments where i felt confident but the journey after that was very doubt filled there was like so many shows. I got off stage and I felt like so embarrassed and awkward. And I was like, "What am I doing?" But can I, you I mean?
1: Can I give you a? a uh-huh.
2: I think something that's positive about looking at it that way
1: mm-hmm. is that think about how many people are bad at something and yeah. lack the awareness to be able to tell they're bad at it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like how many local bands <laughs> have you seen right. that are just or, or just people that are just blowing it and yeah. they think they're great. That's but, a that's a good observation, and I and I, and I think having and I always uh, use that, you know, the, the way of looking at that with my old band, God forbid, where when we started out we weren't that great, but we knew we weren't that great, and that ability to kind of do a show, know you kind of weren't that great, <laughs> is the fuel that takes you to the next rehearsal, to the next mm-hmm. thing, to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not a finished product yet, and it's right. okay, and this is. The problem where why so many people don't end up doing something in in the creative world or really anything that's really difficult is they're afraid to suck.
2: Yeah, they don't want to oh, go yeah. through
1: the, the the awkward stages. Yes. Yeah, you know, and and that's and I think so we think about it as this thing of oh man I I felt really shitty but it's I'm okay with the work and the you know maybe the people giving me a, a, a sour face or feeling crappy about no it's gonna be. It's gonna be some rough years.
2: Yeah, <laughs> dude, that, that, you just nailed it on the head because uh, that was, I'm so thankful that my mom, I, I'll never forget, she told me when I was younger, she was like, she put me in acting classes even though I hated it <laughs> because she goes, I used to have stage fright and I don't want you to have it. Mm-hmm. She goes, and the only way to get over it is to do it. Whatever it is, the only way to get over it is to do it a lot to where you're comfortable and she said and once you get over that fear and that discomfort she goes then it's fun whatever it is and so I always remembered that and then when it came to this I was like you know what I wasn't good at drums when I started and so many people don't even start because they just step up to the plate and fucking bomb a beat like it's just horrible like they can't even get their arms to move right and then they go yeah drums is not they're not for me Mm -hmm. and I'm like but I did the same thing, but I wanted to play drums. So the only difference was that it kicked my brain into gear to just figure out how to do it, right? So with with singing, I was always confused or or there was a question in my mind, a burning question. Is it something you're born with or is it something you can develop just like any other instrument? Mm Because I'd already learned from drums that I can develop a musical skill, right? And, but singing was weird because it almost felt like there was these kids that were born singers. You know what I mean? From a young age, they just popped out and they're singing. Singing is very and, intuitive. Yes. And they have all of these adults validating that natural intuitiveness that they have or talent. And so when you're a kid that doesn't have that natural first uh, beginner's luck, if you will, you don't have all the adults validating you. And it's a very, insecure thing to try again, Mm -hmm. if you didn't get it right the first time. Unless you don't have awareness, like you said, the people that are on American Idol that don't know they suck and they do. But I wanna bring this full circle to what you just said earlier is like, the the painful part of the process is actually a very good thing because if you don't feel that pain, you're not getting better. Like the, the painful part means you're an aware person. And if you're an aware person, that means you're making adjustments like you said, you're you, you are aware that you're not a finished product. And so it's like embracing those neg- the right negative things. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was what basically I said to myself, I was like, I do not want to go to my grave wondering. Like if this doesn't work great, at least I'll know. It'll never be like, I wonder if I could have had the life that I wanted, you know, and it was just out of reach. I'd never know unless I try. <laughs> So. Do you think you could
1: apply that to anything like given saying, hey, I'm not I don't know how to play drums and I'm not good at it now, but I want to do it. So I'm going to work really hard at it and eventually get good and and vice versa with with singing. Has
2: that applied to like other things that you've, you've worked on or? or, or? Uh, yes, I, I think 100 percent. Yes. But I think that. If you're going to apply that belief to like other people applying it in their life. I think there also is like a uh a common sense level of prerequisites to that belief working meaning like if you want to be the greatest author in the world you can't just like you can't not you have to know how to read right yeah, so yeah, there, there
1: needs to be a certain groundwork right and like foundation yeah, for certain
2: skills th- yes. right there have you still have to have like a realistic like foundation of like okay I like if let's say you were born without a throat sure maybe you could find some really creative way to still accomplish your dream as a singer by developing some robotic voice thing and find a different pathway right be the lead singer in Daft Punk right exactly <laughs> yeah I mean there, it, it looked different than you thought but it still accomplished your dream but once those kind of things are in place and you're like okay the only thing holding me back now is just Applying myself, dealing with the negative emotions, getting better. Uh, then I think you can apply it to anything. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, how did the deal with eleven seven come about? Um, Was it that that trip to New York and all that stuff, or
2: no? Actually, so uh, well as far as I know. So this is where it gets so uh, tricky. Is that a lot of the trips, a lot of the shows we played, there's so many moving pieces in the industry and people that talk to other people. And even now there's people I'll talk to and they're like, yeah, I actually passed you along. And like, they kind of take credit for part of the process of us getting signed. Cause I think everybody likes to find their little piece of credit in the pie. I've right? said it
1: a million times, right? is that, uh, success has many fathers and failure is an orphan.
2: Yes, yes, that's the truth. That's a good saying, um, but basically we went and uh showcase and maybe there was some connection there later but we got passed on by everybody and we said you know what fuck it let's just move into a house together make our own record and so that's what we did and i just got obsessed with production just turned my room into a studio drove myself crazy for a year um and then basically put that record out started touring um God for we had a manager. You did have a Our manager. Our manager, Will. Yeah, he was. He actually is he still your manager? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we we have a pretty strong bond. Like, does he work with any other
1: bigger bands or anything, or is he mainly focused on you guys?
2: Um, no, he. Uh, right now, we're pretty much his his main project. He has some other bands that he's developing. Um, swimming swimming with bears is one of them, but uh, they're more developing artists. Gotcha. And uh, but. Okay, so even before 117 we went through some some crazy little stages. We got we co- did a co-management deal with Nickelback's manager, one of their managers named Brad Rusa, which we all loved loved the dude, but he just like disappeared for a while because he had some crazy personal stuff going on and we just kind of moved on without him because he just disappeared and we didn't even hear from him. So we just moved on with will. And long story short, 117 basically reached out to us this is before we hit this uh we did this danny wimmer festival called aftershock mm-hmm. in uh, sacramento yep yeah and we played a show in front of about 500 people on one of the small stages he was side stage and this guy clay bush who is now with heavy grass but he was with dwp um he had found out about us i think through shannon guns at sirius mm-hmm. on octane and he was just like pumping us up to his boss, Danny. Now, now
1: at this point, did you guys um, have a stage show that's similar to what you have now, or is this more stripped similar, down?
2: Similar. Yeah, similar. Not was the that. full-on uh, machine that goes in the air and stuff like that, but, yeah, similar. There was drum sectionals and stuff like that. And, uh, anyway, Danny Wimmer was the first person I shook his hand when I went off the stage. He said, hey, tomorrow, do you want to play in front of 15,000 people? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we played the next day, and there was all these industry people we started getting all they these phone calls. They just moved you up to a
1: bigger stage,
2: main stage. Yeah, main stage. one of the bands couldn't make it, and so he put us in the slot. And all these labels, management, all reached out, and we had all these meetings set up right after that performance. But Eleven Seven actually reached us out to us the week before that, so mm-hmm. they were the only label the that R2. I remember who was onto us. Like, which even even that played a little bit of a part in how we viewed them, whereas the other ones. They kind of had to get us in that that spotlight position, whereas Eleven Seven somehow had kind of tracked us down and saw that there was something bubbling up, Um, and that's the rest of history. We met with all these labels, you know, did the wine and dine thing. Well, it seems, and this is
1: me being in a band, also on this on the same label, and you know, a little different because we're also on the management side with with Tenth Street, right? And seeing just the machine that these guys have and how everything kind of works in in concert because with with you I remember hearing that song being blown away loving the record and then seeing you guys are on tour with this band you're you're playing I remember you guys were on all those festivals yeah and yeah. from that time was it was it as um explosive as it seemed from the outside cuz it seemed like mm-hmm. you guys just kind of hit the ground running in terms of doing yeah. bigger tours bigger festivals getting on the radio was it that kind
2: of did it really take off like that the way it seemed yeah it did um it the only difference is when you're on the inside and you can probably relate to this but you're always looking for the things that are wrong yeah as a business owner and a musician you're trying to find the areas that you can improve so so much of our energy unfortunately is dedicated to focusing on those things that sometimes you don't get to appreciate it in the same way people on the outside seem to perceive it Mm. um it was but we were always like why aren't we getting that tour instead and why aren't we you know this and that but uh honestly I can't complain because we toured the world multiple times on that record and played Budokan in Japan the arena and played australia and europe multiple times and so i think that it, and you it, had fans it wasn't like you were going there and just opening up
1: for other people and no one gave a crap like people yeah were into your band
2: yeah yeah but it, it did it did it was actually it actually was kind of going too fast where really? i was like i want to savor this you know it's yeah. like you just finally got your chocolate cake and you just <laughs> want to like eat it slow and not have to shove it down and go get to the next cake yeah. you know
1: yeah trust me that's how we're in right now just it's like
2: Yeah, tour, 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 tour,
1: tour. You know, but it's that's
2: how it is when it when it when it goes. Um, Yeah, you got to jump on it. Well, that's good though for you guys. That's I mean, y'all 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 had an awesome uh, explosion with the reaction to the cranberry song, which is like giving you a spotlight. Well, the crazy thing, great, because you have good follow ups. Well, the crazy
1: thing about that is just that it happened before the record came out, which is so that just doesn't really happen yeah, with yeah. rock bands. Like that happens with like a pop artist no. or a pop yeah. artist, they're although they're all, because I don't know, just maybe culturally or way that business works is they can basically pump up an artist before they have a record out, but it right. rarely happens in, in rock. It seems like it takes, yeah. I, like I feel like the last time, what was the last time? Probably like when Hell Yeah came out, but they were all, that was like super group. Right. So everyone kind of knew them or, awesome. Mudvayne, I remember. It seemed like they had a lot of buzz
2: before their first record, or uh, the record that came out on on uh, Warner. The only band that I can think of, Universal. Yeah, that that reminds me of that explosion in a similar way was Alien Ant Farm, well, but with, they didn't they didn't follow up over time, yeah. unfortunately. But but because they had a cover the Michael Jackson thing, but I just remember like overnight knowing about that band. Yeah, uh, but then again, it's also a different time than now. So yeah, that's, I mean, y'all hit the jackpot, like in in the best of ways, cause it's like so rare that that happens yeah. nowadays. Yeah, so it's, rare. It's it's it's
1: crazy, like I said, now we're kind of at the point where, cause there were so many question marks, right? It was, well, this song got really big, but it's a cover song. So mm-hmm. maybe the record won't sell. Yeah, but then the record comes out and right. the record's doing great, it's still doing great, so okay, the record's selling. Okay, you had this one, hit and it was a cover song but are your original songs going to be hits it's like right the second right. single is climbing up the charts yeah. and it's done pretty well um sales wise so it's like okay so there is some of these questions are being answered in in yeah. a positive sense so it's um yeah it's, it's just it's just fascinating but but you yeah. know outside of our experience you know i feel like you guys were one of the last bands in this this world to really kind of have a rise that was pretty quick obviously our our trajectories were a little different but not that dissimilar in that on the same label um playing with similar uh kinds of bands and kind of in the in the the same scene one of the interesting things about uh, touring with you guys getting to see you every day is is that you guys are a bit left of center for the quote-unquote active rock world or the radio rock kind of kind of thing it's like you guys just seem to have an extra element of artistry. And like I said, this kind of prog thing. And even, like I said, vocally, like what you're doing is it's it doesn't sound like with a lot of the stuff that's on the radio. Um, And I hear you guys and it seems like there was um, a shift sonically in the way you guys approach the self titled and the new record where it's a little less kind of metallic chunky riffs.
2: Yeah. You know, it yeah. kind
1: of it it uh s- seemed to kind of lend itself a little more with um the guitar sound almost had like a stringier yeah. almost a little single
2: coil. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that kind of sound, sound yeah. you know, um,
1: you know, bigger. Well, was just that big product um per- uh percussion. Everything just right. it was like bass and drums and really yeah. cool electronic stuff, interesting uh effects on the vocals, just it seemed like you guys were like all right, everyone kind of expects us to go down this path, but we're right. going to go over here where it doesn't seem like anyone's in this lane. And that will kind right. of I, I don't know, like I just could see you guys touring with way different kind of bands than just this scene or doing different kinds of festivals and getting out. Is that like that part is, of the goal? That's part of the blueprint, yeah. <laughs> at
2: least, you know, when we were um, discussing this record, um, you pretty much nailed like everything we talked about. We had a whiteboard and we went out to my friend's lake house for the day and just say, Hey, can we borrow? We just want to have like a, almost like a business retreat, you know, with us and our manager. And Mm -hmm. we just discussed, what do we want this next record to be? What are our goals? Uh, musically, what are our goals, uh, business wise, and just seeing where we could find the win wins and what little tweaks we could make that, um, like you said, put us maybe in a different lane that doesn't blend us into everything else on rock radio. Because we're like, we still we want the guitars to be a big part of it, but it's not guitar driven. Yeah, you know, like, it's not like uh, if you listen to an altar Bridge, where the because I, I love Tremonti, um, yeah, they're, since I was they're a kid, very guitar, but centric. very guitar centric um, driven. And a lot of rock radio is. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we were like Dan, our bass player, is such a unique person and force unto himself that we're like and we just have one guitar player so it's like well how can we how can we make the bass do more you know and put us in kind of a creative corner to find our way out of rather than relying on layering the guitars more Mm -hmm. and uh but you know the big challenge with any of that is that you you want to take one step into like a creative direction, but you don't want to take 10 and just lose your whole audience, right? You want to evolve, but not lose your core. And I feel like um, I've watched a lot of bands that I've loved <clears throat> go one of two ways, and it's a razor's edge. You know, mm-hmm. they they either put out the same record every time, basically, same sound, and it appeases that core, but it just never really grows. And then there's the bands that just change too much and you you get that, hey, do you like so-and-so? And And they're like, yeah, I like the old stuff. You know, you get that response. Mm -hmm. So we're trying our best to take a step, but not too far and, you know, do the same thing with the next record, but. I mean, listen, as far as I've seen, you
1: know, it seems like the, in terms of like the sing-alongs and stuff like that, the, the newer songs seem to be the ones that are getting the biggest pops. In the set, so it, it definitely doesn't seem like that's affected you guys negatively. Yeah. It seems like the new record has connected.
2: Yeah, it seems so. Yeah, I felt like the the little bit that we lost has been overshadowed by everything we've gained by it. That's what it's felt like at least. Well, it's great because we get to do we'll these see.
1: off dates where you guys are headlining, and yeah. it's
2: it's amazing.
1: I mean, you know, every show yeah, is sold good. out, it's yeah. you know, people are really connected to to everything you're you're doing. That, and I get the feeling with you guys because, like I said, you're able to you know have this you know we're in this kind of whatever mainstream rock world whatever the fuck you want to call it. i don't know what the hell, the hell to call yeah. it but you know you're you guys maintain a level of artistry and authenticity and you can tell that it's not bullshit and i feel like that's what's going to like your that's fans cool. <laughs> by virtue of that i feel like you're going to attract less fair weather fans mm. Um, and people kind of connect and even the way you guys yeah, so
2: yeah,
1: yeah. do your meet and greets the way you kind of engage with, with your fans It seems to be all very personal and
2: connective That that that's good to hear that it comes across that way because that that is kind of our uh, if, if you get down to What do you call it? Like your core principles or your philosophy of life is like you kind of get what you put out there You know, yeah. so there, there's like this karmic slash rebound effect to everything. And, and like you said, yeah, if you, if you put out either a message or a music or a connecting point with people that is authentic, then like you said, I think authentic things just last longer. Like you said, they're less fair weather because um, especially in the United States, like I think in Europe, it's easier to get an authentic connection. In the mm-hmm. US, it's so much more what's hot right now. It's so vapid and. Uh, but we're we're you know. the, but
1: we're. I say this: we're the lucky ones because we are getting played on the radio. And if you're not yeah. on the radio, you're in. It's like you're in the desert, and yeah, and it's it's difficult to. And it's not like those bands. Like I look at a band like Parkway Drive, for example, right? Super heavy band, but really successful. Not, I think they actually had a little success on uh, with a couple of their, their their singles. On, on radio but i mean comparatively to some of the bigger bands that get up play on the right. radio to be able to attract an audience and you have to figure out different different ways and it's it's um yeah. like i think about a band like like you guys where you know we were talking i think we were talking about you know bands like carnival or bands like yeah. you know um what was my 12-foot uh, ninja i don't know why i'm naming all yeah, uh, yeah. all uh, australian bands yeah but like really cool bands. bands that have you know that are accessible like it's not like they're playing death metal or something right
2: um, it's not that far out but
1: they but they struggle to find the audience because they don't have that thing which is very american and I, I don't you know I don't really yeah. know the radio game in Europe and I don't know you know it's I don't know I think culturally how people kind of find out about music and how they get into new bands it's um still kind of a mystery to me but yeah, it, it, it it is
2: <laughs> it's just that the music industry in general is just like a giant, uh, mysterious set of dominoes going in every direction at all times, it's just like, even just trying to, I'm in the industry and so are you, and we're still perplexed by how yeah. many streams of, of income and legalities and information, it's like, it's just a very confusing industry. It's not, it's not like we sell shoes and how many shoes we sell this month determines everything it's just that one product. No, we have streaming, we have licensing, we have albums, we have touring, we have merch, we have sponsorship. You know, there's just so many streams that things come in and go out. If you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. But that's an interesting thing too, is like there, there are bands that find these like weird little niches. Now, uh, I do like that about the new, uh, just what internet has provided everyone. But it's also so saturated. There's so many bands and so many artists that you can get lost in for days. And that's why I think the radio, even though it's not as strong as it used to be, is still going to have kind of that just, I don't know, time-tested just standard to providing a, a cornerstone for careers. Well, it's you know? kind of a its own little kind
1: of community and in, in, in world. And I think one of the things that's good for – us and you guys and know we're doing it in in different ways is that we have sounds that have roots in other parts of the heavy music community like with you guys I hear a lot of you know post hardcore and um, even like kind of like screamo type stuff like those kind of melodies and, and, um, and the prog thing and then you guys are introducing the electronic element and these like really cool rhythms that could be you know, with dance music or it's like there's just all this other stuff. So you're not whereas as opposed to a band that is just a quote unquote radio rock band. And I'm not gonna name any names because if I name any names like I'm gonna look like I'm a, am talking shit about people. But I think we know some of these bands that they don't really it's not like with us, we're at the heart of it, we're a metal band. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be a metal scene. And there's always been people that like heavy music. So the, the combination between kind of having these roots in other elements outside of this world, and then you put that together with hey, there's these, we have access to these um, just regular folks who listen to the radio, then you just kind of add that to the mix. Mm-hmm. But then you're not totally relying on that, you know? And yeah. I think that's why a lot of those bands tend to do, for example, better in Europe, where it's, they yeah. just kind of see things as heavy music, you yeah. know? Like, look at a man like Volbeat. Does Volbeat sound like a radio rock band? No, they just sound like Volbeat. They just like, yeah, a, yeah. you know, yeah,
2: yeah. Or, that's- uh, Or that's... Ghost
1: is Ghost a radio
2: band. They just sound <laughs> no. like oh,
1: no, they don't sound like anything. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, that that's the cool thing about Europe is they just. I think they're more long-lasting fans. It's, that's what it feels like. Yeah, and I've heard other bands validate that same feeling. I
1: I've I've seen it <clears> maybe <throat> not uh, with with any of my bands, but definitely with things I've seen with other other bands. Yeah. So you guys, um, you know basically i want to thank you for for coming and doing this and t- taking your yeah, time I really
2: dude. really appreciate it oh i um, got a question before you end sure, this go ahead. when are y'all gonna drop remember when what is that going to be a single uh it will be a single and i think listen
1: i'm learning about this stuff as <laughs> just as everyone else yeah so in some ways we've already <coughs> dropped it because the video is right already, is already out um and as you can see like like i basically you know i you know I don't know if you'll hear this, but I basically manipulated my way to get this song in the set. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, certain people. I'm not gonna say it was <laughs> not. We were not playing "Remember When" in the set at the beginning of the tour, and I was like, really? "Hey guys, we got uh, one of our best songs that everyone loves, and as <laughs> half the crowd sings along, we should probably play that." Yeah,
2: hey <laughs> I don't know. Just you, you know, know, a thought. You
1: know. Anyway, but we were running. We we ended up running over our set the first two shows. We got born Mm -hmm. and we got in trouble so then we Ah. had to so anyway so eventually we got it back in the set uh hear me now is the current single right and i and i guess you might know more about this than i do how long does a single how is this how long does this is a single being pushed like what's the cycle
2: of a single on radio oh um three months it depends on how well it reacts yeah um we've had um i forgot let me say uh We've had some songs that were in the US, probably a few months, like three to six, you know, three to four to six months. Yeah. And, but some longer that just kept getting replay value. Yeah. I think Jenny or um, This Is The Time just had really high, uh, low burn is what they both, called it. Both those went number so, one though, right? Uh, this is the time did uh, Jenny went top five. I can't remember where yeah. we were really bummed out because it was some other bullshit song that got number one. <laughs> I forgot who it was. It was like Godsmack or some some band that beat us out of it. We're still mad about it. But anyway, uh, not better, not better. Damn, Damn, you- Damn you Godsmack. Damn you Smack. You've had it. You have enough number yeah, one. Yeah, you got enough. Spread the, spread the love. Come on. Uh, but yeah some songs go quicker some songs stay longer just depending on how quickly it burns they look at data all the time they're constantly analyzing and uh but the reason i was asking that with remember when is like um i was talking to alan the president of our label Mm -hmm. the other day and he was explaining his his perspective and like why he was following up with y'all single with diamante Mm -hmm. on it and it i was like okay that makes sense because of the way the cranberry song is yes. zombies gonna like be perceived by the mass public it's kind of an easier in yes. to the band and but that remember when I'm just excited about it because it has a very similar feeling that I got w- that when we released Jenny which yeah. over time has been our biggest single um, I think it was a personal there's a personal story yeah and it's a very real story <clears throat> and um, it's
1: something I noticed I think it's like I said, when we were doing our headline run, the record had been, only been out a few weeks and the whole place singing along, a brand, a brand new song. And I'm like, this is, cause it, like I said, just the video was out. It wasn't on the radio. So that, that's telling you people are listening to the record. They're listening to the song and they're connecting to it. And it's, um, it's palpable. Yeah, you know when 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 we play it. So, yeah, man, I I think it's going. I think it's going to do really well. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen, but um, I know. uh, Hear me now. I think the last time I checked was number thirteen. So it's it it just jumped four spots. So and I think as this tour goes on, it's obviously yeah. Every show has a radio station associated with it, and they're promoting it and. Yeah. That's part of the reason why Diamante's it's on, on track. the tour, yeah, yeah, to help kind of kind of push that, and it's um.
2: But they're gonna keep they're gonna keep wondering it uh, as far as like that question of well you had you had lucky number one, uh, let's see what the second song does. Even after the second song, if you get top five or even a number one, they'll go. Maybe let's see what the third one does. They did that with us even. Yeah. And uh Who's So they? it takes a little while. Who's they? Just all the mass of program directors and station directors all over the country that all weigh in on these kinds of things. I mean, airtime is precious to them and yeah. but um anyway, I think remember when's going to do really well and seems like y'all are on track and you could I don't know, especially with y'all touring with us, you know, outside of these dates cuz you know if you ask our fan base, what's the number one song to them, I guarantee Jenny would be at the top of that list. Yeah. And so that, that personal connection with a song like that, I think is gonna resonate with who you're playing around on this tour. Yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: so interesting, the kind of duality between being this metal band, these super heavy songs, and yeah. then having these rock songs and kind of straddling the line between yeah. that. And somehow it works. Like, I don't know how, I don't know
2: how, <laughs> Yeah, I think nowadays people just listen to so much stuff that I think the lines dividing genres are not as important as they used to be. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing. Keeps it interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I just think it's it's great because we're just now getting into everyone's like throwing around riffs and song ideas for for, for the next record. And we really feel like we can do anything. Yeah, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm really interested
2: in that. That's a fun feeling. Yeah, I, and I but that. I'm a
1: really interested, really interested in that middle ground. Yeah, somewhere between the heaviest stuff and the lightest stuff, and say, hey man, can we write something kind of in that, in that middle ground, something that kind something of ties, yeah, just yeah. ties everything together, yeah. you know, and kind of because I do know that people like, there, you know, our fans, are not, you're probably not gonna be a fan of the band if you only like, the heavy stuff, or you only like. The light stuff. You know, usually for, if you're going to like a band, you kind of want the whole package. Right, it. right. I would assume. I would <laughs> assume. But anyway, brother, uh, when are you guys going to do new record? Is that on the horizon? You guys, just, you're touring for the rest of the year just like yeah, us. Yeah,
2: we, we got touring up in, up through May of next year. So I think we'll, we'll probably take some time off starting in May, um, which will probably put us in fall of next year to start that process. I wish it was sooner, but I know we're just going to be well, are nah, not man. I mean, I mean you're. Time right after that. Well, here's
1: here's the thing. I mean, this is the job. You know, this is yeah. what pays the bills, and you're in demand, and and people want to want to see the band. Like we're we're doing the Canadian tour together with Three Days Grace, which is going to be amazing. We've never. I've half those places I've never even gotten a chance to go to. So I think I think I think that's going to be sick, and it's um, yeah. you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I and I think too we're in an era where the idea of the traditional uh, album cycle has kind of been turned uh, turned upside down and as your band becomes more established, you can kind of play in and outside of those margins. Yeah,
2: it's kind of like radio too, where it's like, we just, we say we're gonna finish it this time or start a tour then, but if people are still buying tickets and radio's still like doing really well, I mean, it's not like we're just gonna disappear. I mean, we're gonna go, well, people want a little bit more let's maybe we'll go do one more tour or whatever have but. you guys
1: ever thought about like releasing a single or an ep or something to kind of hold people over in the meantime
2: um honestly we had thought about that before um we didn't do it only because i i used to get really frustrated when bands would do that that i really liked because i just felt like you wanted more i wanted more yeah. and so i i I think it's just a personal preference. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it, but I was okay waiting on bands and kind of like forgetting so that when I got it, it was, it's almost like that binge quality that Mm -hmm. you get like on a Netflix or HBO series where it's like, rather than just give me a little bit, just, just let me forget about it and then get excited and just give me the whole thing, you know, and just, I'm just going to feast, but that's just a personal preference, but that's why we do that. But, but we have put out some acoustic things and like, one song here or there yeah we've done stuff like that but not an ep or anything like that right on well i say this, i'm a huge fan of the band
1: and a huge fan of you my friend likewise i really appreciate thanks, you doing this thank you so much johnny
2: yeah bro thanks for having me of course i don't know what you had in
0: mind but here we stand on opposing sides let's go to war let's go to war i to- Say, do you feel safe?
1: So that was the hit single from Nothing More's last album entitled The Story We Tells Ourselves, and that song's called Go to War. I love that song. It you know, that's like moving to me. I was getting goosebumps listening to it. Such a huge fan of that band it's um it's an honor and a pleasure to see them live every night and all thanks to Johnny for taking the time out of his busy day it's um insane how how much you know once a band gets to a certain level these these lead singers they're just in everyone wants a a piece of them and so. It means that much more when someone takes the, takes the time out of their busy schedule. So it's huge thanks to Johnny. That was that was so much fun, and uh, yeah, I'm just glad I could get a show out for you guys. Um, I'm gonna try and talk to a couple other people from the tour before I I leave. This is what I do. I procrastinate and then try and grab a few people right before the tour is over. We still have a few more weeks left, and we have a few weeks off, which I will enjoy. And I'm gonna try and get a bunch of stuff um, and interviews done when I'm back in LA. So I've been talking to a lot of people, and guys, I have a master list, and slowly but surely they're all getting ticked off. So we will we will get it done one way or another. But um, huge thanks you guys supporting the show. I really appreciate it. Keep telling your friends, tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your mama's daddy. You know what I'm saying? Tell your children's, You know this is family oriented. You know I you know I, I, I drop a couple fuck nizzles and. Pussy juices and all that stuff. I I say that stuff, but you know, it's fine. They're fine. The the, the kids are resilient. The kids are going to be okay. that's, That's what I say. And I also say, mama's out.
0: You have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. PROH files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.